0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Judah, I thought I'd bring this up because I normally use electronic devices, as you know, because uh, it's just a bit easy these days. And Judah just went to Helen, he went, Mummy, daddy's book is wrecked. Uh, I need to say to him, son, look, if your Bible's falling apart, then your life probably isn't. Come on, somebody. (laughs) That's so corny. I know it is, but uh, (laughs) I was just reminded of that. Hey, by show of hands, we we are in the easing of lockdown, as we know. Uh, Who's been out for a meal this week? Show of hands, anybody? Oh, my word. Wow, we are really behind the curve. I've not been out for a meal, but been out for a coffee yesterday. That was lovely. Sat outside and it was nice and warm. Which is good. Who's played a sport that they weren't able to play before? A few people. Good, good. That is good. And uh, the rest of you, I'm sure you will enjoy that as it comes. So Highlight Sunday. I'm so conscious that there are quite a few people who are new here to Arena today. And I just want to thank you, everybody as well, for, for conscientiously booking in and being a part of our service. We are having more and more people each week. Today, I think there was well, there was a number of people who aren't, weren't able to book into our services. So just a reminder to get booked in early so that we can continue to plan as we continue to come out of lockdown and more and more people are wanting to come back. But Highlights Sunday, it seems probably to some of you like a strange thing to do at the moment. But there are so many things to be thankful for. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the moments of our greatest trial come out, uh, the fruit, uh, fruit comes out of that, that actually sets us up for our greatest win. That's what I've seen in my life. And while this last year has been challenging, there's no two ways about it. It's been challenging. But also there's been <clears throat> so much to be thankful for. <clears throat> so much that God has done. And this morning, we're going to come around to remember <clears throat> and think and thank God. For all he has done. See, important days need marking with thankfulness and praise. What I've found in my life is that when I look back in the right way, when I look back and remember what God has done, it reminds me that he can do it again in the future. It reminds me and creates a platform for my next breakthrough that's to come. It reminds me that if God did it then, he can do it today. It reminds me that if he was with me then, that he is with me now. And throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to do this. But I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who are here today. And all of our our campus who aren't with us, who can't be with us this morning. To say thank you for continuing to be a part of this campus. To continue to serve to turn up online, to show up to midweek meetings, to continue to give. I mean, the fact that we have seen an 8% increase across Arena Church is astounding. I want to tell you, that's a miracle. We, um, not to, you know, to talk about other other things, but that is booking the trend in quite an amazing way. We are blessed because of what God has been doing. And also it shows the maturity of the people of God to say, we're going to continue to put God first in the middle of trial I want to thank you for doing that but in challenging days there is much to celebrate to highlight and be grateful for I think the the way that we go through seasons the way that we experience joy in our life it actually isn't dependent on what happens on the outside You know, if you're always waiting for external things to happen, for you to be happy, I want to tell you, you're going to be unhappy a lot in your life. But we see throughout the Bible that as we are thankful, as we rejoice in the Lord, that we continue to live in His peace and in His favour. Your happiness, your thankfulness, your joy, your peace, no one can take that. Only you can give it away. And I've realised in these last days, in this last year, That what happens on the inside of me actually comes from me. What does that Bible verse say? It says, rejoice in the Lord always and be thankful at all times. I don't know about you, but it's been so easy to to go into a mindset this last year of unthankfulness. Unthankfulness of feeling sorry for ourselves, of thinking what was, of thinking will it ever be the same, will it ever happen again, will I ever be able to do this, will I ever be able to do that, oh I want to go back to 2019 when things were normal again, but I want to tell you today that is not the mindset that we're to have as people of God, I want to tell you as the people of God we can continue to look forward with hope because he has set before us amazing things, God's plan for us, let me t- just because of coronavirus, God's plan is not put on pause. God's plan over your life has not stopped because of coronavirus. I tell you what, if you let him, God will use this last season to propel you into that destiny that he's called you to. But we're called to live with gratitude. We're called to live with thankfulness. And if you find yourself today in a bit of a depressed state, struggling maybe in your mind, Why don't you try every single day coming before the throne of grace and saying, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. There's always a reason to be thankful. Even in the most dire situations, there is a reason to be thankful. There's always things to look to to be thankful. And when we think of remembering, there's a significant Jewish story in the Bible. The book of Joshua 400 years, the guys have been in slavery. The people of Israel have been in slavery. Some of you will know this story. They were released by Pharaoh miraculously as Moses was called of God. They spent 40 years wandering in the desert, seeing amazing miracles that God had done. And then all of a sudden, this amazing leader, probably the greatest leader, one of the greatest leaders the world has ever seen, dies. And he passes this mantle of leadership onto a younger leader, a guy called Joshua. And we know that Joshua is scared. Come on, I mean, the, the, one of the greatest leaders of all time can't take the people into the promised land, so Joshua must be like, how am I supposed to do that? Surely. We see it because Joshua is told multiple times, be strong and courageous for I am with you. I, I think he was, he was fearful under the weight of leadership. And he has this mantle over him to take the people into a new land. And what took the people of Israel out of slavery, they went through the water, they went through that big body of land, was going to be the way that they entered into their destiny. We've picked this story up, and the, uh, the river Jordan is in flood season. It's as bad as it can get. Isn't it funny how sometimes God uses the moment that's the worst to prove that he's the best? It's in flood season. It's like, God, couldn't you just do it? like a, <laughs> Do it six months later. It'll be much easier. I find that so interesting as a side point when people say, oh, it's not the right time to start this. It's not the right time to serve. It's not the right time to do that. I want to tell you, if you want to step into your destiny, there's never a right time. Never a right time. So here they are, the people of God. And God said to Joshua, tell the priests to take the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was this. It was the presence of God here on earth. I want to tell you though today that we are all Arks of the Covenant carrying the presence of God if you believe in Jesus. But this was the reflected presence of God on the earth in this day. And God says something strange. He says, tell the priests to go and stand in the water and I will open up the water. I find this so funny because couldn't God do it before they get their feet wet? Couldn't God do it before they had to go through that thing of of getting wet and that inconvenience of doing that? But isn't God always looking for us to take that first step of faith so that he can come through? And this is what happens in this moment. The priests Stand and step into the water. They wade in and surely they're looking around like, "Is the, I, I genuinely think, just thinking about the, the psychology of this moment, the, the, the mental state of the people of Israel in this moment. Moses, the greatest leader ever, is gone. He's done amazing miracles, unbelievable miracles through his leadership. Then there's this new guy, Joshua, who no one really knows. We know he's been around, we know he's been doing stuff, but... I think lots of people would have been questioning Joshua because that's always what happens. So the priests are stepping in and they're like, I think Joshua has lost his mind. And then the water parts. And God proves to the people of Israel that Joshua is his man. And they step through and they walk through on dry land. And we pick it up in Joshua 4. 4, 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he'd chosen. One from each of the tribes of Israel He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. What an amazing story this is. <clears throat> These memorial stones, they show the importance of remembering and highlighting the amazing miracles of God. We see in a later generation that they forgot to do this. And it says that, they, that, the, children of, um, that the children's children didn't know anything about the works of God because they'd stopped looking back. They'd stopped sharing stories. They'd stopped remembering they stop telling of what God has done. Come on, all of us with kids, let's share stories of what God has done in our lives so that it can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. You know, the heart of God is not that for generational decline. It's for generational increase. God wants your kids to be stronger than you and your kids' kids to be stronger than their, their parents and their kids' kids' kids to be stronger again. That is the heart of God. So can we steward that well as we look back and we remember what God had done? So future generations forgot to do this and this was to their peril if you continue to to read through and you know the story. So we need to do this in our lives to look back. It's why we have a Highlight Sunday every year. So we look back and say, look what God did because it reminds us to believe again what he's going to do. You know, when we launched 2020, I was around the table back in 2016, 2017. 2016, we probably started talking about it. And Christian came to us and said, Look, we're, we're going to try and raise £100,000 a year um, on top of offerings. And we were like, Christian? <laughs> um, the pubs were open then, so we were a bit like, Where have you just come from? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, we were like, Christian, £100,000 a year, really? And look what God's done. Because of that, we've been able to continually sow into our community. We've been able to continually build buildings. We've been able to launch a ministry school. We've seen God do amazing things. And what God did last year will set us up for what he's about to do. And the thing about that, that first meeting when Christian said about 2020, the reason the table was so somber, or not somber but quiet, was because we knew what it was going to mean for us. We knew what it was going to mean for us. Because we were all tithers around that table. We were all givers. And we knew that it was going to be a new level. And that first year, it was hard. It was hard to sow that extra. We're like, God, we trust you. Then the next year, we saw God do amazing things. This is personally. And we sowed double. And this year, I plan to do the same again. As God shows us what what he did in the past, he reveals what he's going to do in our future. Today, there's three things to celebrate. I'm going to have to whistle through these. The first is this. Are you with me? We celebrate we. Celebrate we. We celebrate what we can accomplish together. See, God delights in partnerships. I hope you know that you cannot do it alone. God's not looking for one person to go and change a city. God's looking for a group of people to do that. God's looking for a group of people to bring transformation. He uses individuals, but individuals who are in partnership. See, you were created to be in partnership with God. We see that because God wants relationship with us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come, um, in the message version, communicates it really well. Jesus says, work with me walk with me, watch how I do it, relationship. Genesis, start the Bible. We see that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Not a walk to get somewhere, not a walk in a rush, like me with, the, uh, with my kids and family at the park yesterday. A walk to be together. We were born for partnership with God, but also with People. Back in Genesis, again, what did God say? He said, it's not good for man to be alone. So we created Eve. We are called to be in partnership with each other. We are called to be together. And this is called, and this is the power of the church. This is the power of you and me here today. I find it amazing what the Bible talks about in relation to, to unity, in relation to coming together, in relation to synergy. Can you remember the Bible verse where it says, one will chase a thousand, but two will chase 10,000. That makes no sense to me. I like, I like numbers. I don't mind numbers. It should be one can chase a, t- a thousand and two can chase 2,000. But God is showing us here the power of when we come together under a cause of synergy. One can chase a thousand, and two can chase 10,000. That's 10 times multiplication. So what happens when 50 or 100 or 500 or 1,000 people come together and say, we're going to lay our agendas down and we're going to chase God together. Yeah. When, I, when I read Acts, this was the secret source of the early church. Unity. They ate together in homes. They Shared with glad and sincere hearts, they delighted in being together. Is there any wonder that this church exploded because they they didn't let the petty disagreements get in the way because they were so united by Jesus? If you're a Jesus person, that's okay with me. You know, sometimes we've got so we've lost focus so much arguing about what to wear, arguing about what songs right and what songs not right, arguing about things that do not matter when Jesus is the only one that matters. I want to tell you, if we keep Jesus at the centre, we'll see this town transformed. We'll see the M1 corridor transformed as a group of people come together and say, God, you can do it through us. We align ourselves with this clear and exciting vision. I hope you know here that our vision is to go and grow and to love and serve our world when Helen and I had the privilege of of starting here at Mansfield people started asking me oh yeah so what's your vision (laughs) expecting this really like call and you know this new thing whatever Uh, is to go and grow love and serve our world that's the vision of this house that's the vision of Arena Church to go and grow and to love and serve our world and that I believe is the heart of God one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. I love Psalm 133 where it says, Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Wow. I want to live under God's commanded blessing. I've said this to you before, but the Josh Turner alternate version where there's disunity, there's a curse. You want to live in curse or do you want to live in blessing? And I believe this area of honour is what has stopped so many people stepping into revival. Listen, you can pray for revival all you want, but if you can't submit to the heart of God, if you can't submit to the church, then you're never going to see revival. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. The power of we is exponentially greater than the power of me. Togetherness is about heart, not habit. Togetherness is about love, not location. Togetherness is about conviction, not convenience. Togetherness is about vulnerability, not just visual presence. Togetherness is about forgiveness, not just making good impressions. We delight to be together. We delight To be there. We're not there on a Tuesday on prayer or Thursday out of obligation. We're not there to look like we're being right and doing the right thing. We're there because we want to be together and we want to seek God together. What we can accomplish in we is incredible. Is there any wonder that our world is running to individualism? The Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. I believe that people are being blinded into individualism. It's all about me. I need to put me first. I want to tell you, if you want to live a sad, sad life, you live by that rule that you put you you first. Please, people of God, do not buy in to the lies of the world. That is not the Bible. What did Jesus say? Seek God first and, and put others before yourself. That's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus did. Let's live that way. Number two, celebrate me. Celebrate me. And now this is going to sound like a contradiction to what I just said. But we're not talking about narcissism. We're not talking about the selfie culture. We're not talking about arrogance. But what we are talking about is an understanding that we are created in God's image. See, you can't live in community. You can't be comfortable in community if you don't know who you are. God has created us to be unique, to be precious, and to be amazing. And this is maybe not the way of our society, but I want to tell you today that you are amazing in God. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are called to have a healthy confidence in God of who we have been called to be. And look throughout our world, and I think this is the root of a lot of issues at the moment is that people have a distorted view of who they are. I want to tell you today that God made you in your mother's womb. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb. You know, when, when you come into church, I think a lot of people think that God's trying to make them religious robots. I want to tell you today that God's not trying to do that. He doesn't want to turn you into Nathan or into Joanna or, or to Wes. What God wants to do is turn you back into you. The Bible says that He created us in our mother's womb. If He created you, why would He want to turn you into anybody else? But what He wants to do is this. He wants to take off all of the baggage that you've accumulated over your life that's turned you into somebody else. He wants to take all of that off and set you free into your God-given destiny. There are people here today, you have a distorted view of yourself and in Jesus' name, I want that to change this morning. I want you to see yourself as God sees you you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The way you look, the way you think, the way you walk, the way you talk, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to hear that message this morning that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who made you and you might feel not enough and you might feel not good enough, but He says you're amazing. Don't listen to the lies that you've believed. Listen to the Word of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. If He made you, then how can that be a mistake? Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Oh, yes, you shape me, first inside, then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation! You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All of the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before you. Before I'd ever lived a day. Praise God. Praise God. You were made in the image of God. (laughs) I just think of this line where Paul rebukes, I think it's the Romans, I might be wrong, for thinking like mere humans. You know when you're in Christ you are more than a human because you have the Spirit of God living in you. We're called to bigger. We're called to more. We're called to victory. Do you know what the Bible says about you? It says that if you are in Jesus, that you have been seated in heavenly places. Seated in heavenly places. That's the place that we should operate from as believers of Jesus. Not from a place of, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't do it. No, we are called to live sat with Jesus in heavenly places as we reign with him. That doesn't mean that we walk in and say, oh, I can do it all on myself. No, that's not it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is called to be our posture, that we reign with Jesus from heavenly places. We were put on this earth to shape it and to change it and to make a difference. And that is what Jesus bought for you and me on the cross again. He, brought, he came to, to wipe the slate clean so that we could reign, so that that stuff in our life would no longer be an issue, so that we could be seated with him in heavenly places and make a difference in our world. You can't afford to have a negative image of yourself. This world can't afford that because we need people who have a redeemed mind, who see themselves as God sees themselves so they can go into the world in the confidence that He gives them to make a difference. Paul says, do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. Come on. It's time for the people of God to be confident. It's time for the people of God to stand up and be bold and be strong and be courageous because He's with us. You are marvelously made. And lastly, saving the best till last, we celebrate Him. We celebrate Him. If you're new here, I want you to be in no doubt today that this church is here for Him. We are about Him. We are about Jesus and what He has done for us and what He is doing in us and what He wants to do in this world. It isn't about someone's vision or someone's plan. It's not about nice music or or clever talk. It's about Jesus. It's about what Jesus wants to do in this world. And guess what? He wants to do it through you and me. He wants to work through you and me. We are built on Jesus. We celebrate Him above all others. It's all about Him. He is first, front, and central. We love Jesus. And we love to worship Him. (coughs) And we recognize that all we have, all we are, and all we hope is to be from Him. We celebrate what he did on the cross. We embrace him as both saviour and Lord. This book has authority. It's not, if I like it, then I'll go for it. And if I don't, then I'll cross it out. I, was, I had a funny moment with my dad a few years ago. I was underlining something in my Bible while we were away. And he said, are you crossing out the bits you don't like? <laughs> That's not what we do. You know in, a, in an age where truth is contended for? That's what's happening right now. Truth is contended for. There's no absolute truth. The, the, the mindset at the moment is there's no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. I want to tell you that that is not what we believe here. I believe in the authority of this word. I believe that even if it's hard Even if I don't like it, that this word has authority over my thoughts. This word has authority over my priorities. And that's what will change the world. Not me trying to be clever, not me trying to gain favor with this group or that group. This word brings favor, this word births favor, this word brings authority. Because my authority is not from me. My authority is from Him. And He gives it me. Do you know, Arena Church, that we have been given authority to reign in this town? We have been given authority to make a difference in this town. You know, when I walk into this building, this is my dominion. Do you know why? Because God's called me to it. This is our dominion. Because God has called us here. And we're not going to let Other things, rule and reign, it's going to be his word. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Come on, if you need to love his word, read Psalm 119. David says, I love your word. He is the one that we look to we know without doubt that he is the way he is the truth and he is the light there's another story celebration story in the Old Testament in Chronicles talking about the presence of God like I said it was held in this this box the Ark of the Covenant and then a tent that was constructed as the people of Israel moved and it sounds strange but that's how God lived in the earth at that time and this priest Was the only one who was allowed to go into the presence of God. Only one person could experience it. You know, today we have the priesthood of all believers. We can all experience God face to face. But David restored the presence, the King David restored the presence of God once again in the heart of the nation. It was a day of celebration, it was a day of exuberance, it was a day to look back and also to look forward. Of celebration and praise. And I'm going to give you some excerpts. 1 Chronicles 16:8 to 10. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Remember the wonders he's done. His miracle and the judgments He pronounced. He remembers His covenant forever. What does that mean? That means no matter what goes on, God doesn't forget His promise to you. The promise He made for a thousand generations. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Splendour and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are in His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in splendour of holiness. How good is that? And this is the time. When David danced before the Lord in his, in his undergarment. I find it interesting here because he says, Bring an offering of praise to the Lord. You know, real praise is an offering. Real praise costs. Real praise happens when I don't feel like it. God's taken me on a journey in this, just this last week. I felt God stirring me to dance and shout before Him. And I felt weird. I felt stupid. I felt crazy. I had my window, my, my curtains open. I was thinking, shall I close them? And I felt, that's probably not a good thing to do. I, so I left the curtains open. And I danced. And I shouted. I thought, should I put some music on? That would make me feel a bit better. I didn't feel that was the right thing to do. So I was just there dancing. Shouting. And I felt stupid. And I was reminded of this. Because David's wife... It was the beginning of the end, really, for that relationship because she came to him and she said, you're embarrassing me. And David said to her, I will become even more undignified than this. New Testament verse that I just think of was the woman who'd been forgiven of everything, who came to Jesus with that alabaster jar and broke it and poured it on him. A year's wages gone on Jesus. And that upset some people. It upset one of Jesus' disciples. But true praise changes the atmosphere. I just wonder if there's a group of people here today who are willing to put the praise and the pursuit of God above all things, above reputation, above what people might say, above what people might think. Will we be the generation, will we be the people who say, God, we are going to search after you, God, we are going to go after you, God, we are going to praise you, even when it hurts? We will bring an offering of praise will we be that people who say God we're going to give you what you deserve we're going to put you in your rightful place and then we're going to trust you with the rest we celebrate him we look back we thank him for what he's done and we look forward to what he is going to do come on just close your eyes and bow your heads, just in a, as a moment of privacy for, for people, if you don't mind.